Welcome back to another episode of CCW Insider, where we talk about the matches and stories of wrestling's last territory, Coastal Championship Wrestling. My name is Ryan Joy, and I run MinutesToBellTime.com, a website and database tracking pro wrestling around the world. On today's show, I am talking with the voice of CCW, Mr. Blake Chadwick, and Blake has a fascinating perspective on both the business and on CCW. I can't wait for you to hear it. I'm not going to delay any longer. Here's my interview with Mr. Blake Chadwick. I am talking with the voice of Coastal Championship Wrestling, Mr. Blake Chadwick. Blake, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you on uh, as the voice of CCW. It's great. Thank you for having me, Ryan. It's been a pleasure watching these each and every week on the CCW YouTube channel. You're doing a great job with them. And when I got the call to be on this week, I ran right to it. I'm very excited. Well, let's let's not waste any time here. What I want to know right off the bat is, how did you get involved with CCW? So, interestingly enough, I, I've been in the professional wrestling business. We're coming up on 18 years, actually, in a few weeks. But it was back in, I believe, 2007, I reached out to CCW for the first time. I was actually at a TNA house show down in Miami, in Coral Gables, the University of Miami, one of the first TNA house shows at the time. The main event was Booker T and Samoa Joe. And I went out to my car, and there was a flyer on it, advertising an upcoming local wrestling event with one half of Phi Delta Slam, I think it was Bruno, taking on Dustin Rhodes in a cage match. And I said to myself at this point, I had been involved in the business for a couple of years, primarily in the state of Virginia. I was looking to cut my teeth in South Florida, expand my horizons a bit. This has always been a hotbed. And of course, the WWE was, you know, kind of putting their uh, footprint down here in the Orlando area. So it was really good timing with everything. And I, I reached out to the phone number and who else answered the phone? But Mr. Dan Evans, who's now my broadcast colleague. And I basically said, hey, who I, this is who I am. I've been around for a few years. I would love to be able to ring an ounce or do some commentary on your shows. You know, how can I get involved? And Dan pretty much gave me the, well, I'm the announcer, so we don't really have any spots. But come on down, check it out, blah, 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 blah. You know, me at 21 years old saying, oh, what the hell is he talking about? I'm better than that. I don't need to just come down and check it out. But it inevitably delayed my entry into CCW. I probably should have just gone down there to Coral Springs that day, but I decided not to. But nonetheless, uh, about, I don't know, it was maybe 15 months ago or so, I was in conversation with everyone's favorite scumbag, Lou Spector. And <laughs> Lou was basically saying, you know, we want to get you into CCW, you know, been trying for years. And it, it was always that, that white whale. Because I had worked everywhere in South Florida. I had pretty much worked all throughout the state of Florida. There was not many promotions that I hadn't at least touched once or twice. Except for Coastal Championship Wrestling. It was always the one that got away. And I actually had a similar situation with the NWA for many years as well. Until I finally got to call an NWA world title match. But that's another story maybe for later on. But it was one of these situations where I had been kind of knocking at the door. Wanting to get in. But... With Dan doing the ring announcing and the commentary, there wasn't really a lot of opportunity to get involved. And, you know, I was heavily involved at the time with GWA and Gangrel and the whole Gangrel's Wrestling Asylum. And, you know, things were kind of changing there, kind of going in a different direction. And I didn't necessarily see myself there long term. And I was kind of looking to make a new home in South Florida. In conversation with Lou, he kind of said, hey, let me put you over and, you know, talk to the higher ups at the time. I didn't even know Nelio. And, you know, one thing led to another and, you know, 
mid late April of 2021, I walked in that very school you're in right now and, uh, you know, spoke to everyone. And I guess you say the rest is history. Did you say 18 years you've been in the wrestling business? <laughs> I, I have been in the business for 18 years. I've uh, officially half my life now. Wow. So uh, has it all been commentary and ring announcing or was there uh, something else that you did early on? Or I've had some sprinkling in there, some hosting, some backstage interviewing, things like that. It, it seems like typically at the announcer broadcaster level in professional wrestling, you generally start out as a ring announcer and then, you know, try to fan out and spread your wings from there. When I broke in back in 2004, there wasn't really a YouTube. There wasn't really a, a means to broadcast shows. A lot of companies did not necessarily even record their shows. If they did, they typically went to DVD. A lot of people listening probably like, what's a DVD even? So it, it's one of those situations <laughs> where there just wasn't the opportunity to really get things done, you know, how they are done today. There wasn't wasn't as many opportunities, you know, to uh, to cut my teeth and, I started out ring announcing and the entire time I'd always wanted to do commentary, but I was just kind of waiting my time, you know, looking for that opportunity, finding a spot. And it actually took a little over five years to finally get that commentary spot. A lot of it, you know, again, politically, someone's in a spot, they're not going to give it up, especially if someone comes in that they might think could do the job. So it's one of those situations where it took a while to finally break through uh, unfortunately, fortunately, however you want to look at it, I didn't really dedicate a lot of my time when I was in college because I started college in 2004. So right before I actually went away and came down here to FAU, I, up in the state of Virginia, I had started doing some ring announcing. And unfortunately, I didn't really stick with it super hard throughout college. I did some shows here and there, but I didn't do it full time. I didn't really try to get involved too much in South Florida. I was doing some sports commentary for FAU just still trying to figure life out in a sense at, you know, 20, 21 years old. And yeah, I mean, it was one of those things where it, it took a little while to finally get to the spot that I wanted to be in. But eventually, you know, in 2009, I finally got a shot doing some commentary and, you know, it's uh, been kind of a, a roller coaster ever since. So, and so you mentioned that you were doing some uh, commentary for other sports and, you know, you went, went to college is, is your like professional background in commentary and broadcasting? So I do have a degree in communications. I, you know, have done broadcast journalism, sports uh, commentary for multitude of sports at the collegiate or high school collegiate and professional level, baseball, basketball, football, you know, soccer, pretty much everything, softball, uh, covering all the bases there. You know, wrestling to me has always been that dream that I've been trying to follow, but, you know, especially at a younger age and at a different time, it was, uh, a little bit more difficult to break into the wrestling business. And there wasn't as much direction and ability to, you know, kind of get involved. So I always knew that, you know, I'd love to be at the WWE or at the time WCW, Impact Wrestling, whatever it might be. I want to be at that level. But, you know, I realized that I'm going to have to do some other things to be able to potentially get myself there besides just wrestling. It's, it's so interesting when I think about the differences between, you know, the basketball and football and, and soccer and baseball and professional wrestling. I wondered if you could talk about the difference uh, from an announcing perspective, like what mindset and that you have to be in when you approach pro wrestling as opposed to some of those other sports. 
that's a great question there, Ryan. And, you know, if you listen to me call wrestling, you know that I do traditionally call it like a sport. You know, there's certainly a, a little bit of a difference when it comes to sports. Obviously, stats are a little bit more a thing. It's a little more statistically based and things like that. You know, when I'm calling a wrestling match, and this is something that I, I discuss, I, I have a student now, actually, which is uh, pretty cool. I've got a, an, an announcing student. And, you know, I, I tell this to the wrestling students as well, or pretty much anyone involved, because it can apply to non-announcers. What is the business of what I'm doing right now? What is the business of this match? What is the business of this segment? Obviously, listen, it's 2022. The curtains peeled back. Pretty much most people are in on the act. They don't necessarily know how it goes from point A to point B, but they have an idea of, of how wrestling's constructed. And, you know, my job is, hey, what are we trying to accomplish here? So that's what I'm going out to do. A lot of when I do sports, it's what I'm seeing and I'm reacting to it. With wrestling, there's more of the ability to dictate. There's more of the ability to kind of narrate, hey, this is the direction we're going to go. And I have the ability to kind of push you that way. So it, to me, it's kind of an approach on a show-by-show -show basis, on a match-by-match -match basis. What are we doing right here, right now? What is my job? If they're going in there, it, it, there's no real story. There's no real angle. We're kind of just going to have two guys. Maybe it's too technical. Like, if, if there's no title on the line and Alan S2S Martinez is going in there with the Florida man T.C. Reed, and they've got 15 minutes and they're doing a technical classic, I'm probably going to call the moves. I'm going to be calling the holds and the reversals and getting a little bit more deeper into that psychology. But if we're talking about a title match, maybe these two have been at each other's throats for a few months. There's a little bit more to play with, a little bit more to work with in terms of a story. But again, it's just kind of as a case-by-case -case basis. And that, to me, is why I love wrestling, because it really is a different avenue each and every match. Yeah, for, for sure. And so I want to back up a little bit. You've got... 18 years in as part of the business. What about before that? What was your fandom like as a kid? Was Were you always a wrestling fan? I'm what you would call a lifer uh, from day okay. one, literally out of the hospital. And when I say that, there's not really much hyperbole. Literally a couple days out of the hospital, my parents at the time had a woman helping them transition me into the home for a couple of weeks, just kind of assisting with some things. Mrs. Green was her name. Mrs. Green would sit there. And we'd be watching NWA. I mean, she would be sitting there with me a, a week or two old watching NWA. I actually, at two and a half years old, was at Starcade 88. Oh, that's so, awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this is something, I mean, it, it's flowing through the blood. My parents were not in the business, but in a way, it feels like it's a part of me. And it's something where, you know, even before I liked sports, even before I, I could probably even like Ninja Turtles, I liked pro wrestling. I mean, that was really my first love. And, you know, being in the heart of the NWA territory, I grew up born and raised in Norfolk, Virginia. That's right there in the heart of the Mid-Atlantic. Oh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of the scope, famously, of course, with the Raw Nitro DX situation back in 98. And, of course, you know, several World War III pay-per-views in addition to others. You know, it was five minutes from my house. So, you know, WCW, NWA would come to town at the time every three weeks, even every month. You know, it was pretty regular where WWF would come in, you know, once, twice a year. I would obviously watch it on weekends and syndication. But, you know, WW, WCW, NWA, I mean, that was my thing for many, many years. And, you know, being in that area, it was really kind of a part of me. So, 
for 36 years almost. I mean, wrestling's kind of been my thing. So when, you know, I, I got involved 18 years ago, it, to me, that was always kind of a path that I was going to take. You know, when, when I tell stories on a podcast or something, I often, you know, I think about the late 80s as a time where I, I really kind of got indoctrinated into wrestling as well. And I'm always trying to figure out how can I make this story from the late 80s relate to, you know, what's going on in the business right now and what's happening on a show, the, the current show. Is that something that you dabble in at all when it comes to like commentary or like referential uh, treatment to things? Mentally, yes. And earlier in my career, yes. Uh, something that has been very difficult um, to kind of transition to. And this is peeling some, the curtain back a little bit here. To, I, I want to do this at the highest level. And to do it at the highest level, that means the WWE. That means AEW. That means, you know, the best of the best. And they do things, WWE specifically, they do things slightly differently than everyone else. So a little while ago, I kind of changed the way that I approached my commentary because I didn't want to continue to display habits that would not help me get to the next level. And this day and age, as a wrestling announcer, wrestling commentator, as someone who has been in the business a long time, that's not necessarily helpful for me. They look for new blood. They look for people coming right. from outside realms, outside avenues, not someone who's a quote-unquote lifer. People like me don't really get a lot of opportunities, you know, this day and age. So when I, I'm working, I'm trying to do it in a fashion that I can weave things in. I can utilize things that still I think are important that might not necessarily be utilized at that level. But I also don't want to get myself in habits that I'm doing things that are going to make myself, you know, them deter from from wanting to sure. bring me on board. So it's kind of a fine line. It's a tough balancing act at times. But, you know, I, I went through some experiences late last year into the beginning of this year that kind of opened my eyes to really what is necessary to get to the next level. And I just want to continue to cultivate that type of uh, style, I guess, to try to make sure that, you know, what I'm doing you know, day in and day out is what they're looking for. Hey, it's Ryan Joy back again. I hope you're enjoying this fascinating conversation that I'm having with Blake Chadwick, the voice of CCW. Now, in the second part of our interview, I'm going to be asking Blake about some of the favorite matches that he's called and what he says to people that think they could do his job. So stay tuned. That's coming up right after you hear about Alive Wrestling. Attention wrestling fans, the place to be each and every Tuesday is on the Coastal Championship Wrestling YouTube channel where a new episode of CCW, a live wrestling, drops at 7 p.m. Witness the hard-hitting, high-flying action that is synonymous with the longest-running independent wrestling promotion in the southeastern United States. Subscribe today and don't you dare miss it. Are there some of those matches that really stand out for you that were like really that you were really excited to call and or that afterwards you felt like this is this is a match that I want everybody to hear me call? You just hit two of them right on the head. And actually the third one, even with Brian Cage and Rich Swan, I would certainly slide that in there. CCW is so active and so busy, and I'm so blessed to be able to be a part of this company that has so much content because in the 
14 months or whatever that I've been involved with CCW, I think I've called nearly 250 matches. And, and that's me still missing several shows. So that shows you how much really content CCW is putting out there, unlike any other independent company. I mean, really no one is putting content out on the level of CCW with the exception of your major companies on national TV. So with that, I'm very, very much, you know, grateful for those opportunities that I've been afforded. You hit on Jacob Fatu and Gangrel, both matches in Port St. Lucie, of course, part one back in February. And then now, you know, part two, which recently has been released on our YouTube channel, which came down at St. Lucie Showdown to back in April. That match right there, I mean, for my money, certainly one of the better ones of 2022, certainly one of the best in my tenure in CCW. Gangrel is a personal friend of mine. We go back about seven years. We're very close. And seeing him over the last year or so struggle through some injuries, it's been very difficult because he's obviously not a rookie. So he's been around a long time. And to have those kinds of injuries where potentially you have to go under the knife, then you start after thinking about your future. And I, I was certainly feeling for the Vampire Warrior, but he's undergone some treatments. You know, he's certainly been rehabbing and things like that. And that match he had with Jacob in April really showed a renewed sense of life in Gangrel. And to me, you know, you go back about 25 years, a little bit less, those late 90s, those Stone Cold Steve Austin Attitude Era main event brawls that we become accustomed to, that main event style that Stone Cold sort of cultivated. To me, you saw a blueprint of that in April with Jacob Fatu and Gangrel. They brought all over the arena. They used every type of weapon, and they it all made sense. I mean, everything was it was tremendous, and it was just a really, really great match. And then, Ryan, another match you had mentioned there, Marina Tucker and Kylan King, a buildup to about four months uh, to that cage match there, several confrontations, of course, Kylan winning the title back in uh, January at Bash of the Brew. Then of course their uh, interactions in Port St. Lucie and all throughout in Ocala, a lot of interaction between them. Marina has been at the top of the, the queen of the mountain, if you will, here in CCW, the mother effing King comes in fresh off AEW TV, ready for a collision course there. And for my money, I mean, I've called several cage matches. It's certainly in the conversation for one of the better cage matches I've called. But Ryan, when it comes to women's wrestling, I'd say the only match that I have called that even comes close to this match and would also be in the conversation, it was about four years ago, it was Taya Valkyrie and Penelope Ford. They did a, a, a street fight between the two of them and they went all out. That was up in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. That's the only match to me on the women's side that even comes close. Marina Tucker, very bright future in this business. And for the last year or so, I called Kylan King the 2021 breakout star, not just in CCW, not just in Florida, not even just the Southeast. I think the entire United States when it comes to the women's side, she's building on that here in 2022. And to me, you know, that division's hers to, to lose. So th those two matches really stand out to me. And the best part about it, I mean, you're talking about, especially from the women's side, kind of two, you know, homegrown talents in a way, as Kylan's made a home down here in CCW. Marina's been the women's champion and a cornerstone of this division for quite some time. So it's great to see this kind of talent cultivated locally here and be able to carry it out on a bigger stage. And, you know, the other thing is that both of these women that we're talking about have had opportunities, you know, Kylan most recently, NWA, Marina, Marina Tucker is going to be on WOW. So, what that's doing is it's bringing the eyeballs right back to that match that we absolutely really talked about that cage match. So very, very interesting and fun how they're, how they're getting pulled into the, to those promotions. And then the eyeballs go right back to CCW. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, a match like that, a cage match in front of five, 600 screaming fans, bloodshed, it's going to go viral. People are going to see that. They're going to hear about it. And they, those women delivered. I mean, there was really, as from a technical standpoint, from a booker standpoint, from an office standpoint, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I had no qualms with that match. Those two women delivered it and they left it all in the ring. And for a main event, big blow off title match, you know, on a big occasion like that on a huge stage, you really can't ask for much more. No, absolutely. You, a few minutes ago, you kind of, you kind of slid it in there, kind of teased it. The NWA title match. Tell me if tell me about this. Is that that's a that's a big deal, especially for you, somebody growing up in NWA territory. Absolutely. And the coolest part was I got to do it in Winston-Salem, North Carolina on Thanksgiving weekend. Like to me, there's oh, nothing wow. more traditional NWA wheelhouse than that. And it was at the time as Nick Aldis, fresh off of regaining the title from Cody Rhodes back in uh, late 2018. And he went one-on-one with Jake Hager. And it was uh, an incredible bout there. Uh, They went about 20, 25 minutes and lived up to the hype. I mean, from a fan perspective, I didn't necessarily think Jake Hager was winning the NWA world title. But just like any any classic NWA world heavyweight title match, they they delivered and they went out there. And there were moments in time where he thought, hey, Hager might steal this one. Hager might, you know, walk out. He's that All-American. He has that pedigree of someone that can really be at that level. So it it was really a, a great match to see. And, you know, it was something I'd been chomping at the bit for years and years and years, not even working with an NWA affiliate. I mean, I was knocking on the door. I mean, just to be able to, to be a part of that that lineage. And there's, you know, I was with a company, Ring Warriors. I don't know if you've heard of them. They were on international TV. We also had a run for about three months in 2018 into 2019 on WGN. So it was on a national level. It was a pretty big company. We did our filming out in Las Vegas. NWA was affiliated at one time with the Ring Warriors. The show before I joined the company, they broke the affiliation. And there was another situation back in 2014. There was an NWA uh, up in the Tampa area, NWA FUW, Florida Underground Wrestling. Had an opportunity to work there. Wonderful promoter, Dante Brown. Still does some managing throughout the state sometimes. Dante, great guy. I was about to work there. And then basically because... This is one of those situations where, you know, it might be a a little too behind the scenes, but, you know, it's a long time ago. And it was a situation where Ring Warriors, recently breaking their affiliation with the NWA, was a little bitter about it, didn't want their voice working with another NWA. I was young in the business at the time. I had not really gotten many big breaks other than Ring Warriors. So I decided to, you know, not uh, gamble, I guess, and just say, all right, fine, I won't work the show. But another situation where I was about to do something NWA related, and then I got pulled right back. <laughs> yeah. So you know when you when you think about all of the uh, all of the the legendary play by play men, they all have their their things that they say, right? Jr. says slobber knocker and wacky as a pet coon, and Gordon Soley says so long from the Sunshine State. Joey Styles says, "Oh my God, are there any Blake Chadwick isms?" that we should be all listening for? Uh, That's a great question. You know, I'd like to think that if you listen to multiple of my matches, I mean, there's different situations where I say and do things that I've never really heard others do before in those situations where, you know, I can kind of brand it my own. Um, You know, I guess from a ring announcing perspective, you know, I do have a little bit of, of my, I guess my own, 
you know, main event kind of introduction that, that I do that I, I, I try to brand and, you know, in, infuse some different talents there. Um, you know, I, I do, like I said, I'd have different things that I say for different situations that I guess are kind of signature Blake Chadwick things. I don't necessarily have like a signature catchphrase. I, I mean, maybe I do and I just don't realize it, but I, I guess, you know, it's something where I've always been of the thought process and, you know, maybe it's a little detrimental. It could be a little dated. I'm not sure if I go out there and just do my job, I, I'm going to get over, I'm going to be, yeah. you know, seen in a positive light. I'm going to get respect from my peers. People are going to want to book me. I'm going to be looked at as, you know, a, as good. So I guess it's one of those things where I've never gone out of my way to try to make anything about me. But, you know, I'm sure if you listen, you could probably say, hey, that's like a Blake branded phrase type thing. And, you know, you're probably right. But that's just not really the mentality I have. You know, maybe at some point that's something that shifts a little bit. But you know, I've gotten this far that way, so I'm probably just going to stick to my guns. Yeah, you'll, we'll probably get, you know, letters. Th these are the things that Blake says every <laughs> I, hope, I hope our <laughs> listeners out there pay enough attention to the matches and can brand me. There you go. Yep. So, you know, I when I think of, you know, I think that, like, most, a lot of wrestling fans probably look at pro wrestling commentary and they're like, I could do that. That That's something that, you know, Happens I could definitely all the time. Do. I bet it does. And I wonder, what do you say to those people? Because here you are, somebody who's been practicing it for so long, degree in communications. What do you what do you say? Do you and because I imagine part of you doesn't want to discourage, but at the same time, you want to like put your feet on the ground. You know, this this is my area. Yeah, it's one of those situations where I kind of want to talk out of this side, and I kind of want to talk out of this side. You know, um, right. it, it's I guess in a way, it's kind of like okay, then then do it. You know, then, then you go yeah. do it because a lot of times I have people and, and, you know, like I was saying earlier on, I am working with someone now, a bit of a student. His name's JP. He actually comes to the CCW school. He's been to a couple of shows. He uh, that's how I met him through CCW. And JP has shown enough to me that he really wants it to where I'm actually going to give him my time and work with him. But I've had several people over the years. Oh, I want to do it. I want to get involved. Blah, 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 blah. But I think once they start having to put a little bit of work in and realize this is what actually is involved. It's not just, hey, you know, clothesline, arm drag, suplex. You know, it's not just that. So I think once people realize connecting the dots, hey, I got to get from point A to point B in, you know, a seamless fashion and calling a, you know, sure, maybe calling a five-minute match isn't that difficult, but try calling a 20-minute match. Try calling a 30-minute match. Do it solo, you know, you, without gaps, with filling in story, you know, being able to carry that. It's not easy. And I remember it's actually we're approaching the 10-year anniversary next month. To me, for a long time, what I considered to be my, my pinnacle match, it was uh, a gentleman by the name of Victor Griff, Diamond Victor Griff in Virginia, against Paul London. We obviously all know Paul London, former WWE Tag Team Champion, in a ladder match. And they went 30, 35 minutes, and I was solo. And this was, wow. in two and this was 2012. So we're talking me couple years into the business, I'm 26 years old. You know, I'm not nearly where I am now. I mean, if you go watch the match, you're going to be like, who is that? Because I sound way different. You know, but it's one of those situations where that to me was a real test. And once I got through that and I said, you know what? There's not much I probably can't do if I can get through that the way I got through it. And at the time I was dealing with a lot of personal stuff too, obviously nothing for this show, but my, my, my mind wasn't clear. You know, it was in a situation where I had to basically – 
take on this big load and, you know, hopefully still execute. But a lot of people, they, they think it's easy because, you know, you can't necessarily do a suplex in your living room on the couch, but you could call a match and, you know, you could think it sounds okay, but, you know, are you teasing the main event later? Are you plugging in the sponsor ad? Are you taking us to break at the right time? You know, there's a lot involved there. And that's on the TV level. Forgetting just the indie level. So, you know, there's a lot of variables that people don't consider. And yes, the, the at 36 years old, I'm sure my body feels much better than a wrestler at 36 years sure. old. But, sure. you know, it's still a, a, a bit of an undertaking. And it is a grind. And listen, you still have to be in condition. You still have to have your cardio. Because, again, to be able to go... 30, 45, 60 minutes sometimes. I mean, I've, I've done matches like that and you don't always know what's going to happen. So you have to be ready. You have to pace yourself just like you're in the ring. So CCW, you know, like we talked about earlier that they, this the CCW runs like every weekend. There's at least, you know, sometimes least, there's multiple shows. Sure. Yeah, sometimes it's multiple shows on the same day of the weekend. Uh, so it's, I would like to get your perspective, and it'll be different than perhaps some of the wrestlers that I've asked the same question. Why do you think that CCW is able to run this frequency uh, like this and still and put out good shows and be successful and have people keep coming back? I, I guess this is where I give the, the self-shameless plug as well as to everybody else there in the front office. CCW has put in place a team of guys that can run shows that can operate businesses on their own. And there's several of them in-house, whether it's Gangrel, whether it's TC Reed, the Florida man, myself, uh, Neilio Costa, your CEO of, of uh, CCW, Dan Evans. We obviously talked about him. I mean, even someone like Lou Spector logistically can help, you know, get things going on an event. We, we have a lot of people with experience, a lot of people that can lead and a lot of people who, frankly, you know, they, they know what they're doing. So this past Saturday, when Nellio and company are up in Nashville running a bigger event, Dan, Trevor, myself, you know, we're pretty much handling things down here for Breakout. Had an incredible event on Saturday, Breakout Soul Survivor, Breakout 13. You know, there's probably, you know, it, it was about 90% full, almost a full sell out there. A lot of people in the house, no big names on the show. But again, it was the CCW talent you're used to seeing. We're able to advance some situations there, able to drum up some interest in some upcoming stuff for those guys. And then on Sunday, I mean, pretty big undertaking. You're talking about Father's Day weekend on Father's Day in a market we're not normally in with not a lot of big names on the show. So it's a little bit more of a difficult environment. But again, we figured out how to make it work with that same crew on Sunday Sunday evening. And, you know, listen, we would, have, of course, love to pack the black box there up in the uh, Lake Park area in the Kelsey Theater. But it was still a pretty decent house, all things considered. All the dads enjoyed it. Everybody else seemed to have a good time. It was a good night of wrestling. And that... You know, I mean, I, I hate to call I hate to call anything lesser than the other, but to basically have like a C show and that do better than most other companies' A shows, that shows you where CCW is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I asked you a question earlier, and and this one is going to be similar, but as we as we kind of go home here, I guess uh, I want to I want to ask you if to point to a match where people can go out. Uh, and, and look on YouTube or whatever, and they get the the, the true Blake Chadwick experience. Like, wh what match should they be looking up to watch and and to really get the best idea of your commentary? If they haven't 
heard it already could shame on them not watching the live wrestling. <laughs> um, so, you know, you can go a couple of different avenues there. I think that recent gangrel Jacob Fatu from St. Lucie Showdown 2, that no disqualification bout back in April, which is recently released on the CCW YouTube channel. I think that's an excellent example there. Also, in this week's episode of Alive, I mean, you take a look, go back to May and Bash in the Brew, huge South American Alliance elevated status tag team title ladder match. To me, it, I, I, I really, I don't like putting myself over here, but if you, you want to hear a story told, I mean, that's where you go listen to it. I mean, a lot advanced there, a lot happened in terms of the future, dictating the future of CCW. And, you know, you have to understand the moments. A moment like that does not call for body slams and does not call for arm drags. The moment like that calls for, let me tell you what's happening right now, because this is major, major shakeup here with the company. So I think those are good matches to kind of get an example of, you know, a little bit more of a physical match and then a little bit more of a story match. I mean, even the bus, Big English back at St. Lucie Showdown 2 getting married. I mean, we're telling sure. a story. We're telling a story there. So, I mean, th those are good examples. Um, you know, I, I like to think, you know, I, I'm like, I'm a sports guy, obviously. So I like to make some analogies there. You know, Ryan, if you're not, my apologies. If our listeners aren't, my apologies. But typically when you look at baseball, a 300 hitter is a Hall of Famer. I mean, I like to think that I'm, I'm a 300 hitter. I, I like to think I'm someone that goes up there each and every night, going to get you a hit. It might not always be some flashy home run, but I'm going to always get on base. I'm going to always produce. And you know what to expect out of me. And I think that consistency is one of the reasons why I'm in the position I'm in now, because you don't really have to guess. You know, I'm going to show up on time. You know, I'm going to do my job. You know, I'm going to give you everything I've got. And I'm going to do it each and every night. So whether it's ring announcing, whether it's commentary, whether it's both in the same night, in the same environment, you know, whatever it might be, I'm, I'm ready to step up because – it's about the bigger picture. And a lot of times people don't see that. And, you know, I'm, I'm the garnish on the plate. You know, I'm, I'm that, I'm, I'm what finishes it off. I'm not, I'm not your steak, you know, I'm not your potatoes, but I'm that little, you know, garnish that you know, puts that proverbial cherry on top. Absolutely. Well, Blake, thank you so much for sitting down with us. I think you offer such a, a such a different perspective when we look at, you know, CCW and everything. Um, anything else you want to mention before we get out of here? This has been a lot of fun. I mean, I could do this every week, I know, but you got a yeah. whole roster to go through. So, you know, certainly, Ryan, you did a great job there. I enjoy watching these each and every Monday on our CCW YouTube channel. It's a great one-two punch kicking the week off with this on CCW Insider. And then, of course, Tuesday, following up with a great episode of Alive. So it's certainly a great way. And then, of course, as you mentioned, several live events. So I almost get that full week of CCW action here. But as you mentioned, full schedule coming up. Very excited to see what's coming down. Um, of course, I don't know exactly when this is airing, so I don't know if it's going to be before or after. But, of course, our next Big Batch in the Brew event will be July 2nd. Ariel Levy, Cha-Cha Charlie for the CCW Heavyweight Championship. So by the time this airs, we could be talking about a whole new landscape here in Coastal Championship Wrestling. But a lot of exciting stuff coming up here, whether it's in Nashville, whether it's down here in South Florida. And I'm just certainly I'm very happy to be a part of it all. And, you know, everybody here with CCW, you know, it's been, it's been a pleasure being a part of this family. And I really do feel like a part of the CCW family. And that's a great thing. And listen, as long as they'll have me and as long as I'm able and available and, you know, it, it wouldn't be a bad thing if I was going a little higher. But if I'm, if I'm around and I'm still on the independent level, I want to be home with CCW. Absolutely. That said, 
I can't think of a better way to, uh, to end the episode. So thank you very much. Thank you, Ryan. Well, that's our show. And I just have to say that I found this interview to be super fascinating to hear the perspective of Blake Chadwick, the voice of CCW, to hear about his journey. Someone who has loved wrestling basically from birth. And it doesn't really get any more from birth than you have a nanny holding you watching the NWA on television. So great stuff from Blake. He's invited back anytime. Uh, In the meantime, though, drop us a comment on who you would like to see uh, on the show. Follow Minutes to Bell Time on Facebook and Twitter. And of course, Coastal Championship Wrestling on Facebook and Twitter as well. And watch a live wrestling every Tuesday at 7 p.m. We'll see you next week with another episode of CCW Insider. You have been watching CCW Insider, produced by Minutes to Bell Time in association with Coastal Championship Wrestling.